0: With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
1: This podcast on 97.3 The Fan is brought to you by Hamul Casino, San Diego's closest casino. Real close, real friendly, real fun. Final hour, Ben and Woods on a Tuesday morning. Glad to have you all with us on 97.3 The Fan. I don't know that we're going to be able to get into the full discussion of this piece in the Atlantic today that I wanted to. I do want to, I want to start, though. I just want to read this little part. It's by Derek Thompson. And the baseball part, the paragraph that really stuck with me, is this one, Woodsy. The analytics revolution, which began with a movement known as Moneyball, led to a series of offensive and defensive adjustments that were, let's say, catastrophically successful seeking strikeouts managers increased the number of pitchers per game pushed up the average velocity and spin rate per pitchers hitters responded by increasing the launch angles of their swings raising the odds of a home run but making strikeouts more likely as well these decisions were all legal and more important they were all correct from an analytical and strategic standpoint Yeah, chess right yes yeah. better information led to a better way to help your team win games And ultimately, the the point is made that it led to a somewhat less aesthetically pleasing version of the game. Yeah, we've been chasing
2: our tail, uh, and baseball has been chasing its tail for a few years now to try to to, to get it back to. Now, again, Ben, have you gone back? Has anybody gone back and watched the game in 1986 or 1983? Was that aesthetically pleasing to you guys? Because I certainly like the way the athletes look now. I like the way they run. I like the way they throw. I like the way they field. Not that there weren't outliers back then. Abs- for every Ozzie Smith, there was a, a guy that looked like me playing shortstop. Okay. And that's a true statement. And, and, you know, for every Nolan Ryan, there was a guy that threw 79, 82 miles an hour tops. Okay. So I like this. Aesthetically, I look at the game and I go, wow, looks awesome. Like they they're at they're freaks they're absolute freaks the Aaron judges of the world the Manny Machado's of the world so yeah there were outliers back then but aesthetically I like the way the game looks now better that being said go back and watch a game from 1982 and 83 does it really rip at your heartstrings like man now I will say this the sliding in a second where they your goal when you're breaking up a double play is I'm going to kill that guy I don't know that I want that anymore it was fun then but you know what guy wasn't making 320 million dollars playing shortstop like our you know shortstop is i don't know that i would want tim flannery sliding into second on fernando tatis jr and trying to break his legs i mean that's what they did and the, the the shortstop would always stand up hey nice nice hard slide and they went on with their day I, I'm not saying they were tougher back then. I'm just saying guys are bigger, faster, stronger now than they've ever I, been. I think
1: I see your point, and it's I think it's a good one. If you go back to teams like the St. Louis Cardinals of the 1980s, where they were actually trying to chop the ball in front of the plate on the Astro turf On that turf, yeah. You know, the old uh, Lou Brown, Willie Mays Hayes, you should be hitting the ball on the ground, yep. son, and legging it out. If you did that nowadays, you're trying to hit ground balls, uh, you'd, you'd, You, I mean, it would be... It would be insanity. You, there's just no way yeah, to be successful out. that way. You're just out you're,
2: you're constantly. Bi- you're Billy Hamilton. Billy Hamilton, exciting player, fast as lightning. You know, If Billy Hamilton could learn how to hit 240, good Lord, man, every
1: team would have a Billy Hamilton on it. But, but I, think, I think ultimately you can't tell teams not to do what is going to help them win. No one wants to cheer for. Hey, my team looks great out there. I love the style of baseball they play, and they win seventy-two games every year. You're going to have to chase the wins, and You're the, the way White to, Sox. The way to do that is by following, you know, the data, and you know what's telling you the best ways to be successful. And unfortunately, according, you know, at least according to this piece in the Atlantic, that's leading to most teams just kind of doing the same thing in terms of their strategies and leading to a very homogenous, uniform style of baseball that everyone's kind of doing it the same way. There's just It's less creativity. It's less different. Uh, well, it's funny that you say that
2: because you sent this article over, and the part that jumped out to me, and you told me this part will jump out to you, is when he says, take the music industry. Before the 90s, music labels routinely lied to Billboard about their sales figures to boost their preferred artists. So in 1991, Billboard switched to methodologies to use more objective data. Uh, and then, so what it did was it phased rock and roll bands out and then you heard this surge of hip-hop and country. And in fact, it homogenized country music so much that you end up with something like this, where this guy went in took five of the hit singles from country music at the time, put them all together. It's like seven or eight years ago, yeah. so still the same stuff. Same stuff. On and it's, it's still issues. the same. But listen to this. This is five different songs. Different song. Yeah, different.
0: Wood,
1: falling like snow in July. Different song. July. Said, different. Different song. You.
3: Blowing different song. Your hair blowing round. It's, it's the, the same formula. That country slam. Trust, up, oh no! Oh, no!
2: Oh. Same song. Blue, blue. This is like seven
1: different songs. Willie yeah. Nelson just rolled over in his grave, and he's not even dead. This yeah. is baseball. It's baseball. Every team is playing the same song. Trying to. And, you know, one will be a slightly more successful at it than another. But essentially, it's all the same tune that every team is playing. And they're doing it because, well, that's the way to be successful right now.
2: Well, and it's also, you don't want to be the one that doesn't do it. If you really fail, if you really are... if I said it maybe three years ago on this show. I said, hey, will there ever be a baseball team that decides to zig when everybody else is zagging? And they say, you know what? Let me get a lineup of Willie McGee's and Ozzie Smith's, and let's just see what happens, right? Let's let's go against the grain a little bit. Let's stop trying to launch balls out. Let's put the ball in play more. I think you see, sometimes you see teams get into that, but nobody's ever, they're not constructing teams that way.
1: He makes the same point with movies. In 2019, the 10 biggest films by box office, two Marvel sequels, two animated film sequels, a reboot of a 90s blockbuster, and a Batman spinoff. In twenty twenty two, the ten biggest films by Domestic Box Office, two Marvel sequels, one animated film sequel, a reboot of a nineties blockbuster, and a Batman spin-off. It's successful. People go, they buy tickets. Why would you do anything else? I mean, that's isn't that good management? Hey, this let's do what works. Why would you not do what's working? And it's working out there. I can't live that way.
2: I know you can't. And I cannot live that way. And I won't live that way. And I won't do this job that way. I can't do it.
1: I don't have it in me. I don't. He says blockbusters are kind of boring now, not because Hollywood is stupid, but because it got so smart. That's exactly right. It's a really, really good way to think about it. It really is. And uh,
2: I, I was fascinated by the article. And I think you guys should read it, too. We can tweet it from Ben and Wood's. And we can talk more about it tomorrow, too. It's good. I don't want to cut in on any more Rindle Report, though, because it's a good one today.
1: And get things started here with our edition, today's edition of the Rindle Report.
2: Now tune into the motherfucking greatest. Welcome to the Rindle Report. With Paul Rindel. Hi, Paul. All right.
1: Two stories from the world of sports that we haven't gotten to yet.
4: We'll start off in Major League
1: Baseball. And one story that you didn't know you needed. Are you laughing, Biatch? It's the Reindel Report. Hey, Paul, how you doing? On 97.3 The Fan.
4: Are you ready to bless the mood? I need some help, please.
5: <laughs> that was good. Oh, yeah. saw a
4: documentary. I can't remember what platform it was, but it was similar to that country mashup that we just played in. Yeah. It, it was talking about you you probably seen it. It was about like pop music and in particular like call it late 90s into the 2000s. Like it was literally just a science. And guy, oh, yeah. people like the Backstreet Boys, Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera and
2: sync, they were just puppets. Buddy, that's not art, man. That's not art at all. That is
1: they were put together by executives yep. at music companies. Like
2: audio
4: engineers. That's why I
2: hated, that's why I couldn't. There was I, a
4: scientific way. They're like, this, The, the these tones.
2: Are pleasurable. And, and this formula this of sounds. Sound, yeah, that's will not art. Register with listeners
4: from this age to this age. That's who we're aiming for. And like, it was really
2: mind boggling. Yeah, it's, it's, that's not art at all. That's just homogenized. That's just, that's a, that's like those posters I used to sell out of the back of my car, man, those, it's, that's it, not art. Okay, that's not it's not.
4: All right, we'll get started here. Uh, Quick thoughts here. The White Sox are ready to hire a manager and it's going to be Pedro Griffall. Griffall. I do not know. I'm not familiar with him, but he's been the uh, Royals bench coach since 2013. And he interviewed with the Royals and they ended up hiring uh, Matt. Quattraro from the race. A lot of difficult We're having difficult, yeah. MLB managerial hires. Lucky this we week. got Bob Melvin.
2: <laughs> Very Bob. easy
4: to say. Yes. But uh yes, White Sox, that's so another team that no longer has a managerial vacancy. Well,
2: Ben made the good point earlier, so he was with the y- uh, the Royals for how long? A long time, since 13. Okay, and they had an opening there and wasn't good enough to get that
1: gig, but he was good enough for Chicago. Maybe it's a better fit for him. Um, yeah, it's interesting, though. I mean, it? it's kind of a Dave Roberts situation where the, yeah. the, the Padres had Dave Roberts forever as a, a bench coach, yep. a, a base coach, and then they had a managerial opening. Ben, you do a great Weren't job. Weren't really interested. The Dodgers went and hired Dave Roberts. Yeah, and You can say it has or has not been successful for them, but it's a similar situation here. You know what's crazy, though? Think about
2: when uh, speaking of baseball back in the day, Ben. And really, football and everything else. I mean, how many guys are you like, oh, my God, this guy got another, like, Rich Kotite got another head coaching job or whatever. Like, it was all retreads. You can say about baseball now, they are, they are trying to think outside of the box a little bit. Uh, our beloved Skip Schumacher getting a call, managing the Marlins, and, and of course, these two uh, most recent hires in Major League Baseball. Guys I'd never heard of. Honestly, I I'd, I'd never heard of them. Uh, from over the weekend in baseball,
4: saw this uh, shortly after we got off the air on Friday, and I don't think we addressed it yesterday, but uh, Rob Manfred went on Mad Dog's show and said that over the weekend he was no longer optimistic the A's will remain in Oakland. Mm. It just doesn't look like it's going to happen, and likely the move is going to be to Las Vegas.
2: Freaking Vegas, man. Just picking up everybody's shrapnel.
4: Just Successful sh- NHL team the raiders which they could go oh and 17
2: they're still the raiders yeah they're still going to be
1: successful well it's the nfl
4: they're going to get the nba it
1: wasn't that long ago that professional sports leagues wouldn't touch vegas with a 10-foot pole correct gambling can't have can't have any association with that i mean in three years they could have they'll have the nba they'll probably have the a's now leagues have official gambling sponsors you know online gambling sponsors Every league is going to be in the NB era in 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 Las Vegas probably soon because yeah. the NBA is They got hockey team. already. Every All-Star game football. will
4: rotate through there every yeah. few years. Super
1: Bowl it's all going to be there. I mean, what a what a complete sea change <laughs> in sports. And you can be cynical Somebody and Somebody should write say, a book about that. You can be cynical and Jeff say, Perlman. "Well, there was tons of money in it and they just took the money." But I mean, there was money in it before. Obviously, there's something. I think it's because it became so much more corporate. You know, it used to be Vegas and the casinos were owned by the mobsters. That was like in the 50s. Well, and 60s. no, yeah, and then and even kind of stretching into the 70s and 80s, or at least kind of unsavory businessmen at the very least. But now, all the betting establishments, the casinos, the online places, the the fantasy leagues, whatever it is. It's it's all corporate now. I legitimately
2: think fantasy football changed the escape the, the scope of I think you're right. I really everything. do everything sport. I, I honestly think it changed everything. Remember I can remember a time DraftKings Yeah, well I can did re- you probably it you, opened the door. You probably do too. Remember I worked in a big corporate office twenty years ago. And it was like, hey, uh, we're doing an NCAA pool, but don't let the bosses know because if we're not actually allowed to gamble in here. So I'll send you the bracket, fill it out, give it to me, give me your 20 bucks, but don't publicize it. We're going to tell a few people, we'll get as many as we can, but we can't let corporate find out or we're going to get in trouble. Now, dude, I mean, look at me. I gamble almost every day
1: and, and it's illegally, essentially. It, but It was the gateway drug. Yeah. A little bit because fantasy football then spark daily fantasy yeah. and the line between daily fantasy and just outright gambling is is very blurry but it felt okay because we were also comfortable with fantasy football absolutely what's the <laughs> difference between doing it for a season and doing it for one week right and then all of a sudden now we're already already we're already gambling on outcomes and everything what's the difference why can't i just put 20 bucks on the raiders to yep. win at this point what does it matter if i'm already betting 20 bucks on so-and-so getting so many yards and doing this. What's the difference? And it was just that easy. The slippery slope that led us all into this is fine now.
2: I was talking to a buddy about it last night. We were walking our kids around for uh, on Halloween. And, and I guess there's some measures going to be voted on next week. Right, Ben? About legalized gambling Correct. in California. And I said this and I stand by this. You know, radio is that industry where everyone loves to, to take a dump on when they can, and they say, oh, well, radio's dying, radio's dying. Doesn't feel like it in this room, that's for sure, and on this radio station. Um, that being said, I think legalized gambling could save our industry. I really do. I think it could save our industry. And uh, for me, it's an industry worth saving. Um, so I, I would be all in favor of
1: it.
4: Finally... Got a uh, very bizarre...
1: Start him or sit him. Who'll be a boom this week? Who'll be a bust? Upper hand fantasy gives the insight on the best matchups and the best. For your fantasy team this weekend. Faraz and Zach, uh, they do all the hard work. So you don't have to follow upper hand fantasy on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. What were you saying? What's what about gambling? Saving yeah. the radio. <laughs> industry? could save it. Okay. Just just wondering. Yeah, I'll wrap up with this. We don't very, make any money. Very that. bizarre story that I
4: saw here. Uh, Seattle doctor accused of sexting during surgery. Oh. Doctor was suspended for sexting while doing surgery. What
2: kind of surgery?
4: Uh he's an anesthesiologist. Uh different surgeries including uh C-section oh. deliveries, abdominals, you- appendectomies,
2: more. I'll tell you what. I've been a part of uh, two C-sections, not me personally, but I was in the room. Horny is not one thing I felt as I was watching. So you wouldn't I felt have
4: sent 45 dirty messages during one instance? I
2: felt sympathy. Massive, massive sympathy. Is there
1: a bit of boredom, though, to being the anesthesiologist? Because you yeah. come in, you put them under, and then you got to stick around to make sure that, they're that they don't okay. die. Right. But at that point, the other doctors all take over, and you're just kind of just kind of waiting around. But you, A, you know what's going
2: on. It's a clinical place. Yes, and it's serious. Somebody could die on your watch as you're sending. You should be paying attention. Y- yes, especially that guy. Well, well I mean, he the surgeon was accused too, but of uh, sending
4: nude photos. Oh, him wearing his scrubs with his genitals exposed. <laughs> uh, one of the like out the top over the elastic. <laughs> hey, real quick.
2: <laughs>
4: one of the, what in the world women. That scrubs
2: was... are not that sexy.
4: One of the women he was talking to was a patient. He invited her to the hospital. For sex, oh, they met in the doctor's. A horny guy. They agreed to meet in the doctor's lounge or like a hospital call room. Uh, He obtained her medical records, not for quote, not for medical purposes, but in order to view images of her. (sighs)
2: So he's a massive predator as well. Just a horny guy who, for
1: a living, makes people unconscious. Yes. that's a, a, a really good point. That's a really <laughs> That's a good a point,
2: dude. That is a horrible com- Yeah, that is. <laughs> not that good. is horrible. That is not good at all. Jeez, dude! Again, absolutely disgusting. Any? There's no surgery that I could you could be in that would make you titillate. Even like if it, let's say it was a breast enlargement. No, no. They still gotta. And then, no, it's disgusting.
1: Thank you for those sound effects. Yeah, there's no way
2: it's our Rindle report. Thanks Paulie for that. He
4: prescribed drugs without keeping official medical records. Oh boy.
1: Oh boy. Oh boy. Well. All right, uh, take 2. World Series Game 3. I think the weather's supposed to be better tonight, but the series is a little different now. Different pitchers, it changes a bit. Uh, we'll get back into some baseball coming up. Stay tuned for more Ben and Woods next uh, after a check of traffic here on 973 the Fan. Woodsy, a little NFL trade news for us. Yes. Just saw come across my, Are you ready oh, for the football?
2: Detroit Lions trading tight end TJ Hawkinson. It's a fun name to say Hawkinson to their division rival Minnesota Vikings, Ben. Don't see what the return is yet, but I'm looking at the comments, and Lions fans are in shambles. Here we go.
1: But they're out of it. They're like one it. and
2: seven. Twenty twenty three second round pick. 2024 third round pick. Yeah, he was uh he was Detroit's Oh, and they're getting back. Okay, so Minnesota sending 2023 second round pick, 2024 third round pick to Detroit for Hawkinson and a 2023 fourth and a 2024 conditional fourth.
1: There you go. You've seen a lot of uh, moves uh, there have been. active this year. And yesterday, uh, the Bears traded Roquan, Roquan Smith, Smith their leading tackler. to the Baltimore that. Ravens, which fills a, a need for the Ravens there. He's such a perfect fit. For he Baltimore. is a really good fit. You know, team linebacker that has actually slipped a little defensively. But with Lamar Jackson and how he's playing, I think this, this puts the Ravens up there. Not maybe not quite to the Bills and the Chiefs, but maybe a clear number three, like right behind those top teams in the AFC. So uh, you are seeing more active trade deadline type moves in the NFL than you've seen in recent seasons.
2: Yeah, it's it's fun. It's fun. Makes me uh, a little more interested.
1: Uh, Game three of the World Series. Once again, we'll try take two tonight in Philadelphia. Another five oh three start, but instead of Noah Syndergaard on the mound, it's going to be Ranger Suarez going for the Phillies. The Astros will still stick with Lance McCullers Jr. as their Game 3 starter with the series tied at one game apiece. You know, it's been now two days off after a travel day and a rain day, so everyone's got to get back into the swing of the series tonight. Um, They'll play three games definitely in Philly tonight, tomorrow, and Thursday. Friday will then be a travel day and then necessary games on Saturday and Sunday in Houston, 6-7. and with everything backed up a day because of the rain yesterday i'm excited for the game man i i'm i miss it you know i miss
2: baseball i wish it was the padres in this series certainly but i miss it this game is pretty even tonight benny they're pretty much calling it a i mean it's damn near a pick which is pretty rare uh when you're taking on the astros in the postseason and lance mccullers is on the bump but you know once again they always seem to know more than we do um but yeah, it's uh, it's basically it's not quite a pickem, but it's as close to a pickem as I've seen so far in the World Series.
1: I also saw that uh, Justin Turner won the Roberto Clemente Award. Uh, he had shaved; I didn't even recognize him. They, they had he was there. He probably will be there again tonight. They were going to honor him at uh, Game Three of the World Series. Now he's a potential free agent. The Dodgers have an option on him. If he's not a Dodger, would I still dislike Justin Turner the way that I do when he's on the Dodgers? Probably not. Because it seems like you don't win the Roberto Clemente yeah, award being without a... <laughs> being a fairly decent fellow right. and human being. So maybe there's some stuff to like there. I've just always had this irrational dislike of Justin Turner, Same. the beard and the yeah. pine tar the on the jersey. Pine tar. And just,
2: Every, just know, what, it's crazy. weird because how do you use pine tar? Only one guy has a big black stripe down the back
1: of his back. <laughs> Always drives me kind of nuts. Makes me nuts. What? Isn't that a tribute? I don't know. To somebody? It might be, but either way, I, he just was one of the most annoying players for me on the Dodgers. Yeah. I didn't realize that he's done a ton of stuff with his foundation. I didn't either. Sick kids and veterans yeah, and everything. He grew up in L.A. It's like Love Justin fine, Turner whatever. Day on Ben and Woods. No, but it, he might not be a Dodger anymore, and I'm wondering maybe I don't have to hate him I think in the they, future. I think they'll pick up his option, yeah. He didn't have a fantastic no, season. Not a bad eh? season. It's like sixteen yeah, it like or eighteen a, million the or
4: tar, It's a tribute to Alex Gordon, who oh. always had pine tar there from his bat on his jersey. Yeah. A
1: bunch of players started doing that.
5: I oh, wash.
2: <laughs> I'm gritty. Look how gritty I am.
1: Stole that award away from Craig Stammon. You thought maybe Stammon was flying out to be honored for the Roberto Clemente Did, Award? I saw we saw we him, saw saw the him at the airport? Yeah. But no.
2: I knew Joey Gallo wasn't it. I saw him as well. <laughs>
1: Padres nominee didn't get it. Alright, we'll come back. Uh, earlier we had Jeff Perlman on. He wrote a new book on Bo Jackson. The stories that we got. Man, this is fantastic. Really, really incredible. Uh, if you missed that, you're definitely going to want to tune in and find out more about this book from Jeff Perlman. That's coming up next with Ben Woods on San Diego's number one sports station, 97.3 The Fan. This hour, ninety-seven 97.3 The Fan, brought to you by Goal Zero Solar Generators. Goal Zero's home backup systems power your fridge, lights, Wi-Fi, TV, and more, all with clean energy from the sun, which means you can have peace of mind when blackouts hit. Learn more at GoalZero.com. So, yeah, nice try Blackouts. You just got owned. Owned. The Bo Jackson talk owned. was this incredible this morning. Uh, if you missed it, uh, author Jeff Perlman's got a new book out. Uh, He joined us. We're going to bring some of that back for you right after a check of traffic here on 97.3 The Fan. Author Jeff Perlman, I think the last time we chatted with him was when we were following along with uh, Winning Time, which was based on his Lakers book, Showtime. So amazing, such fun stuff. And now he's got his new book out. It is called The Last True Folk Hero, The Life and Myth of Bo Jackson. And Jeff Perlman joins us right now on 97.3 The Fan. Good morning, Jeff.
5: I just want to say um, now that Winning Time is out, And I'm a major, major holly player. Yeah. Um, You'll be shocked to know that I am in Dothan, Alabama right now at the $64 a night Homewood Suites with a, I don't want to brag here, free continental breakfast.
2: Um Paulie was. I just heard you talking to Paulie, our producer, and Paulie goes. Well, I love a good continental breakfast. I typically am a fan as well. But
4: well, Jeff said I didn't say it was a good continental breakfast.
2: It's just a continental breakfast. It's a continental breakfast. So <laughs> when can when is the 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 mini series starting on Bo Jackson? Because again, <laughs> I, I would watch the hell out of that. Have you already sold the rights? How, I mean, you strike while the iron's hot. We talked a little bit about that that yesterday. You got to strike while the iron's hot, and the iron is certainly hot.
5: You know. Um, I did sell the rights, actually. Amazingly, nice. you. <laughs> I actually did. You're the first person to ask. Um, winning time definitely changed. It's weird how it works. Like, uh, I'm the same guy, same writer, same everything, but it, all of a sudden your catalog gets a little hot because you you have a show that worked out. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And, um, yeah. So Bo Jackson was swooped up. Half of my freaking books are swooped up now. It doesn't mean anything will ever happen to any of them. That's a long shot, but um, not your problem. <laughs> no, not well. It's my problem only in that it'd be a lot nicer if they do get up yeah, financially and just life-wise. But yeah, that's pretty sweet. That's awesome, man. Money. That's awesome. And I don't know if I mentioned this: free continental breakfast. Right. Free continental breakfast for everybody. So it's
1: right there in the title. the The last true folk hero, the life and myth. Yeah, just the last
5: folk hero, no true.
1: No, no just <laughs> the last folk hero, the life and myth yeah. of Bo Jackson. And I was trying to figure out what what is it that makes Bo Jackson so fascinating. It's, it's got to be a number of things. Obviously, there's stories, but he came up just a little bit before we knew everything about every athlete. Yeah. So there, I think there still remains a slight air of mystery about Bo Jackson that maybe modern-day athletes, uh, if the mystery is kind of gone because we know so much and we, we saw LeBron growing up and things like that, but we didn't necessarily see it with Bo Jackson.
5: I just think he um, truly is as much Paul Bunyan as he is LeBron James. Like, he I always say this. This is just a, a taste here. He's from McAdory High School in Alabama. In high school, he won back to back state decathlon championships, wow. wearing his sweatpants the entire time. His second decathlon championship, he didn't want to run the 1,500 the last event, so he got so many points ahead he didn't have to. Oh, my God. While on a sprained ankle. The day after winning the decathlon, uh, his baseball team needed a guy to pitch a game. He hadn't pitched all year. He struck out 13 people in, in the win. He, um, he stole 90 out of 91 bases in high school. He had a single season national home run record with 20 in only 25 games because he missed seven because of track. Um, he he won the Heisman Trophy. He ran a 4 1 3 40, goes to the Raiders. They don't believe him. They have him run a 40 on grass in pads. He runs a 4 1 9. They think they misdid it. They do it again. He runs a 4 1 7. His first major league at bat for the Kansas City Royals against the White Sox. He's facing Steve Carlton, 321-game winner. His first hit is his first at-bat. He grounds to second base, beats the throw. The guys behind home plate clock him. Don't believe their their stopwatches are correct. Check with one another. They got him at a 3-6, which is the second-fastest home-to-first base run ever by a right-handed hitter. And I never mentioned this, and I always forget. One day he was taking BP in Minneapolis at the Metrodome, and he decided to do it lefty. And he hit the second farthest home run in the history of the stadium. <laughs> lefty, he was not a lefty. He was a righty.
2: Like, all right, so, so how? Like, you hear the stories of of guys. Like, one of my favorite stories that I ever heard was about Jerry Rice. And Jerry Rice, I think his dad was in construction or was a, like a bricklayer, and he used to yeah. throw bricks to Jerry. And Jerry would have, as a kid, like a like a little kid, and he'd have to catch him. And he got those really, really soft hands, also kind of toughened his hands up, catching bricks from his old man. You hear those um, you know, you hear those those stories. Maybe they're myths, maybe they're not. But what were the, some of the myths you uncovered uh, about Bo Jackson? I mean, was he like was he like riding bulls and stuff at age seven? Like how did he get so athletic, so tough?
5: All right, so there's definitely it's funny, Jerry Rice is from Mississippi. I've written books about Walter Papers from Mississippi, Brett Farr from Mississippi, and now Bo Jackson from Alabama. And there's definitely something to the idea of kids that era in the deep south beating the living snot out of each other all day and becoming athletes because of that. And Bo Jackson's real name is Vincent Edwards and his nickname is Bo because when he was a little kid, this is a true story, him and a couple of friends went to a neighboring farm with with sticks and they spent three days, they found the biggest hog in the farm and they spent three days beating the living crap out of the hog trying to kill the hog. So for three days, this hog would not die. And they kept beating it, and beating it and beating it and beating it and beating it. And Bo ended up getting caught and in, in, in trouble. And his nickname went from Boarhog, they'd call him Boar hog, to Bo Hog, for short for Boarhog, to Bo. And his childhood truly was one of like deep, deep truancy and poverty. Nice. He, was, he was throwing crab apples and rocks at kids. He was a school bully. He was sprinting across ditches. His house where he grew up in had a five and a half foot fence surrounding it. The only way out the exit um, could be seen from his mother's bedroom. So he would go to the other side and practice jumping over the fence, flat footed. So there really is, you know how nowadays, I mean, we're all in Southern California, right? Nowadays it's like, I'm going to hire this tutor to teach my kid how to do so-and-so and And look, little Jimmy can throw a fastball really well at age seven. So I'm going to hire Randy Jones to teach him how to blah, blah, blah. Like none of that. It was a mom. I'm going to be gone for the day. And I'm going to go throw crab apples at cars, and I'm going to beat up some kid and take his lunch, and I'm going to escape him by jumping over a ditch. And to get home, I'm going to leap over the five and a half foot fence in front of my house. Like that was his athletic training.
1: Talking to author Jeff Perlman uh, about Bo Jackson here on Ben and Woods, and I guess the other part of the the myth of Bo Jackson, and and even though he's he's still alive, it's yep. it's the the cutting short of the career. It's that it's the Kennedy. It's the you know, never really seeing him grow old and lose a step and wondering, what if? I mean, the people that you talked to, what was the what was the projection? If he didn't have the, the hip injury, if he had stayed healthy, what did everyone say <clears throat> that, that Bo could have ended up being in the long run?
5: So if he had never played football and he just stuck with baseball yeah. and really dedicated himself to baseball and went to the Winter League and played in the Dominican, uh, Mike Trout, Mickey Mantle, like that level of insane talent and in football, if he'd never made it play just half seasons, if he devoted himself full-time to football, Jim Brown, Walter Payton, Eric Dickerson, Earl Campbell, like he's the greatest athlete that we've ever seen. There's honestly, I don't even see an argument against it. He, um, the way things were going, if he had played football, he was a better football player than baseball player, more natural. I think he would have wound up. And if he played 10 years in the NFL, even part-time, he would have had sort of Dickerson numbers. And if he played baseball at the rate he's going, he probably would have been Sean Green, which is pretty great. Um, But, you know, he had the hip injury, and that was it. And in a lot of ways, I will say, his greatest achievement is he played two years of major league baseball on an artificial hip. And not like a modern artificial hip, like your grandma's artificial hip from 1991. It's crazy.
2: It is nuts. And I'm looking at his numbers here. And, you know, you look at the numbers, and you go, yeah, I mean, certainly. I just remember, remember these freakish things like running up the wall. Uh, makes yep. a catch and then runs like a semicircle along the wall, things that things that I'd never seen anybody do before. Obviously, uh, Ben and I are both 47 years old. Um, ben almost 47 in a couple of days. But, I mean, that Bo Knows poster was on my wall. Uh, as a kid, I made my dad take me to the mall. I mowed lawns so that I could get the Bo Jackson cross trainers. I didn't know what cross training was. Um, okay. But they got me. They They lured me in. I mean, you think about the money that Nike made. Uh, from those posters, those shoes, I mean, it's staggering. It's, it's not Jordan-esque, but it's, it was up there at the time.
5: Oh, yeah. Um, wait, so one of my favorite stories is um, 1989 All-Star Game is in Anaheim, and Bo Jackson is leading off for the American League. Tony La Russa met with him and Wade Boggs the day before and said, Wade, would you be okay with Bo hitting leadoff? Great. And it's a beautiful day in Southern California. Ronald Reagan and Vince Scully in the booth calling the game for NBC. And Nike has this big ad campaign that's about to debut that day, and it's the Bo Knows ad campaign. And it's, in particular, the Bo You Don't Know Diddley ad campaign, yep, where so you did. have John McEnroe and Jordan and all those guys. So all the Nike executives are watching the game from Mickey Mantle's restaurant in Manhattan. They're all just they've congregated to watch it. And it's a huge pressure moment for them, this ad coming out. What's going to happen? Well, Bo, second pitch of the game. It's a home run, just a majestic home run over Eric Davis in center field. It's the, you know, the batter's eye bouncing around. Some BYU student grabs a ball. And Bo just jogging around the bases with Ronald Reagan and Vince Scully talking. And in Manhattan at Mickey Mantle's Restaurant, these Nike execs are going crazy. They're like jumping up and down and screaming and yelling because they know it's the most serendipitous moment in advertising history. Yeah. And that thing he just blew up from that day.
1: Now, Jeff, we know the, the Lakers weren't exactly thrilled, especially with the the winning time portrayal uh, on HBO. Um, we haven't I haven't heard much. What, what does Bo Jackson think, or have you heard about what he thinks about your book?
5: Well, I do want to say first of all, uh, the Lakers had no beef in my book. The book, like it James was Buster, just the mini, the yeah. yeah, it was just yeah, the yeah. Mini yeah series, they had yeah. no beef in my book. Um, I don't know how Bo feels about it. He, um, you know, I I uh, I spoke with him on the when I was first working the project he was uh reluctant, like he was nice. He was friendly, but he's like, uh, people approach me all the time. I don't care if you do this book, but I don't know if I'm going to help. And then I actually got really lucky because Bo wrote an autobiography in 1990 called Bo knows Bo. He did it with Dick Schaap. And before Dick Shap passed away, he donated all the audio interviews. He did all the transcripts, everything from that project to the Auburn library. So I ended up uncovering about 500 pages of Bo Jackson interviews that had never been heard. So that was really big for me as a reporter. Um, I hope he likes it. It's kind of a love letter to Bo Jackson. There's some, there's some little things here and there that he probably won't love, but the book as a whole. i basically spent two weeks now telling everyone why Bo Jackson's the greatest athlete on the lift.
2: It's amazing because when we started the show today, we mentioned that you were coming on, and I said, this is an interesting question. You know, guys our age, Ben. I said, do we overrate Bo Jackson? And after talking to you, I don't think that we do. I think that he is properly rated, maybe even a bit underrated. And, you know, it has it, it it inspired me to go back and watch some of the highlights that I remember being a little kid and, and being fascinated with this guy that, you know, played two. Like, we saw Deion Sanders play two sports. It wasn't the same. It wasn't the same. No. I mean, it was completely, no. completely different. Uh, man, and it's also,
5: fascinating. We, we're we in this era now where every kid is like, he, I, look, I looked at Bo Jackson's numbers and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. blah and it's like. Numbers don't always tell the story. They just don't. And in this case in particular, if you want to know the story of Bo Jackson, you really want to know. If you're listening to this, go to YouTube, type in Bo Jackson wall, and tell me if you've ever seen anyone else climb never. a wall. Never. Ever. I've never, never seen been anything done like before, that. Never before, never since. I've,
2: I've never seen anything like that, ever. It was incredible, just the running up the wall. Go. Everyone should go to their local park today and try it. See how that goes for you. Yeah. <laughs> They're
5: going to be you're going to be getting uh you're going to be getting lawyers bills from broken back. Yeah, exactly.
1: Uh so uh I mean, how tough is the book tour thing anyway? Uh, I mean, obviously continental breakfast and the glory of that aside. You would hate it, fancy boy. Well, you you know, would I mean, hate I, it. You know, I've been to <laughs> Alabama before. Dreamland is really good. You probably hit that once or twice.
5: Um you know what? I like it. I like talking to people. It's to me, I'm just being honest, when someone buys your book, it's such an honor that someone's taking the time to yep. buy something you bought. And if they want to talk to you and hear a story, to me, that's it's blissful. And you work so hard. There's a writer named Lee Montville who said years ago, and I've never forgotten, he's like, being a book writer is so weird because you basically put yourself in a cave for two years and you come out in the sun for two weeks. So like, right now I'm in the sun and people are talking to me and they want to hear about the book. and. It's just an honor to talk about it. So I, I I'm not a fancy guy. I don't mind being in a $64 motel. I don't be, mind getting the content. I like the fruit Loops and the Styrofoam Bowl. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm pretty happy. I really do, I swear to God. Like, I, do I love all that stuff. And it's also fun to document on social media because it is really funny. So I'm all in.
2: Uh, let me ask you this. Talking to Jeff Perlman, author of The Last uh, Folk Hero, The Life and Myth of Bo Jackson. Pick it up now. Uh, wherever you get your books. I wanted to ask you this. What is next for you? Because you just said, you know, that the life of a writer is weird. You got a lock. You know that the hole is coming again, the cave, uh, at some point. What are you... Can you tell us what you're working on next?
5: So I'm I'm in the process of kind of negotiating the next book deal, and I'm super paranoid, so I can't tell you. That's fine. I can tell you. I can tell you in a twist. So season two of Winning Time being filmed now, and yes. um, I don't want to brag, but a certain... Southern California-based nerdy Jewish reporter who might have attended the University of Delaware will be playing, in episode six, a slightly nerdy Jewish reporter who attended the University of Delaware.
2: Sometimes parts just – it's they just fall into your lap. This, this person, whoever, whoever this person – uh, he was, has to be very
5: handsome, obviously.
2: Yeah, obviously, clearly, and and well-spoken and well-read. Good hygiene. Yeah, great hygiene. hygiene. Perfect, man. Perfect. Loves, Fruit Loops. loves continental loves, breakfast. Loves Froot Loops. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, Jeff, uh, go ahead and refresh the Amazon bestseller list, and I'll let you get back to your tour. But thank you for spending some time with us this morning. That was
5: great stuff, man. Always a delight. Thank you so much. Take
1: care. Jeff Perlman, the last folk here of the life and myth of Bo Jackson. Um, yeah, he's, uh, I saw him tweeting about so surreal to see his name on like the Amazon bestsellers yeah. and top biographies. It would be and amazing. Things like that. You know, it almost makes me sad when I think about it too much of what we may have missed out on. No, me too. With Bo
2: Jackson. Think about what we got, though. That poster alone was just the greatest. We used that poster to announce the birth of our second son, Taylor, except we put our son, Bo, his head on Bo Jackson's head. So it's him with the shoulder pads and the bat. It's his Bo knows, Bo, Bo knows baby brother. It was
1: funny. You were saying uh, Bo went trick-or-treating with his best friend, Jackson. Jackson. Yeah. Bo, Jackson, Bo Jackson. Jackson just just last night. And then we were talking about Bo this morning. Uh, just had a uh, a Woj bomb dropping from the NBA. Big one. The uh, Brooklyn Nets have fired Steve Nash as their head coach. Wrong guy to let go on it's that just, team. Uh, I mean, it was Kevin Durant wanted him out sometime during the offseason. They decided not to, but what, six games in, apparently they have changed their mind, and Steve Nash is out as head coach of the Nets. So, I'm sure he has breathed a massive, massive sigh of relief. Kyrie, the whole situation yeah, just out. That's put fine. in the past. Yeah, that's, Cut me a check. Yep, I'm moving on with my life. I'm already. I don't, I don't think of he famer. was the
2: problem. I think I he'll know. get another job. Yeah, I'll be on my way. Thank you very much.
1: Jacques Vaughn will serve as the acting head coach for tonight's game against the Chicago Bulls. All right. Um, speaking of basketball tonight, also uh, Viejas Arena first uh, game exhibition. But well, San Diego State, the 19th ranked Aztecs, going to take on San Diego Christian. Could be a very special year on the Mesa. First chance to to see that team in action tonight and then they uh, start on monday against cal state fullerton with their first uh, regular game of the season just a little scrimmage tonight uh, just a scrimmage uh, an exhibition as it were but uh open to the public they'll have fans and everything and people excited to see what this team's all about this year uh that'll do it for us a uh, good show today fun very fun one. yeah uh really good stuff we'll be back tomorrow morning adam jones will be with us at 7 35 maybe one last time as we wrap up the baseball season, we'll certainly talk about Game 3 of the World Series, assuming they do play it tonight. For Paul Reindel, for Stephen Woods, I'm Ben Higgins. Coach John Quintero Brayton coming up next right here on San Diego's number one sports station, Ben and Woods and Larry on 97.3 The
0: Fan. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it.